Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. We very much so appreciate it. I'm Lindsay Smith, and today I've got Gerald Borgay by my side, as well as Espo. Gentlemen. You, you see these seats in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite color? What? What's your favorite color? <laughs> Gerald missed the memo. <laughs> I told Espo the other day, I'm going to stop asking you guys how you're doing, and I'm going to start oh. asking you random questions off the top, okay. because I just am over asking you I thought you were doing. quoting Elf, like Buddy the Elf. No, I'm Hi, Buddy the Elf. Asking. What's your favorite color? <laughs> what is your favorite color? Um, it's either blue or the combination of black and yellow, because those go really okay. well together. Steelers fan. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> purple. Purple. Not just because of the suns. Not I am shocked. Been, yeah, uh, like shocked. Yeah, orange. Orange has grown on me over the years, but mm. uh, purple is nice. Grown on you. What's purple? What's your favorite, Lindsay? Green. Green, okay. but not like a lime green, like like a pretty green, like hunter green, army green, any sort of variation of like a deeper tone of green. Okay, I'm with. All right. Can we put Fabio's comment back up? What is it? Fabio says, is it just me or does Espo look happier since coming out of the closet? Yes, since I've left the walk-in closet, it is nice to be back <laughs> okay. amongst the living. Was like, Gerald wow. wasn't here for Gerald that. Gerald was scared. Was like, that was an aggressive comment to start the show. <laughs> Gerald, like, did you miss that? Did I, I, did. Yeah. I did miss Congratulations, that. Congratulations, Espo. I think, my, I think my wife missed that, too. No wonder he didn't take <laughs> the misses out. <laughs> hey oh. Oh, Thanks, dear. Gerald. I'm sorry. Well, it is a Friday, and we like to have some fun on Friday. So we have a few serious-ish, well, not serious, just legit topics to get through. But then at the end of the show, we have some really fun stuff for you guys. So Wait, everything is legit. Mm-hmm. If I mean, we talk about it, it's legit. Fair. It's the way that works around right. right. But it's like... I, I whatever. She's crapping um, <laughs> on our topic at the end, I think, is what's going no, on. No, I said it was a fun topic. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. Our first topic of the day, we're going to talk about Monty Williams being officially named to the USA basketball coaching staff. Sort of. Sort of? What do you mean sort, sort of? of? Isn't this so, tweet making yeah. official? So, we, so this was, I felt bad because like I had showed this tweet to Kellen at shoot around about how it's from the NBA Coaches Association. Like that's pretty official. Yeah. But Team USA has not officially announced anything yet. So he we Kellen asked him about it at uh pregame and Monty was just like, I can't talk about it yet because it's not official from USA. So it's unofficially official. It was already reported uh by somebody a few weeks ago. And now we got the NBA Coaches Association. Team USA basketball is going to be like the last people to actually announce this. So I don't it's unofficially official. How, how does the coaches association not get in alignment with Team USA? I have no because idea. Inevitably, you are putting your coaches who are in said association in an awkward position. Well, yeah. and then like, how long does it take to send a tweet right. and a press release? Right. Like, it's not that hard. Just yeah. send it. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know what the holdup is on that front. But yeah. So it's unofficially official. Thank wow. you, NBA Coaches Association, Team USA Basketball. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Can we call Grant Hill up and ask him 
This is his yes. first big move. Can we get this right, Grant? Can we just get this announced? My I goodness. would love to. I love Grant Hill. I'll give him a call. Uh, you know, I'll I'll see what I can do. I got, All right. I have Grant connections. I'll see. Do you really? You're going to be so stoked. Yes. I like drink Sprite because store. of Grant Hill. You're not wearing your feelers. If you wear your feelers, oh, well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen. I don't want to have foot problems. But <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Low blow. Oh, Maybe I, love I won't you, Grant. call up Grant. I love you, Grant. You can't say that if he comes no. on. The, you need to have a uh, he knows. filter. He already knows. <laughs> I will. I will reach out. You know, I'll, I will text somebody I know and yes. see if we can get Grant. All right, we're gonna pretend it's official because it's essentially there. But mm-hmm. I guess we have to wait for the tweet. But. Uh, Monty Williams will be a part of the Team USA basketball coaching staff alongside a few other gentlemen, namely Steve Kerr, who's going to be leading uh, the charge over there. Are you surprised at all that it was Steve Kerr named ahead of Monty or does that make sense to you? I feel like it makes sense. He's got the more experience Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe it's paving the way for Monty to take over later on down the road. Wasn't he the lead assistant with Pop too? So, I mean, it makes sense. I thought Steve might not want to do it just because he's had uh, physical problems with his back and Mm -hmm. that, you know, the travel and all that, maybe he wasn't going to want to do it, but obviously... It's a it's a thing of pride to, yeah. to be named the head coach of USA Basketball. He and Grant have a relationship back from their son's days as well. So Grant asked him probably meant something to him as well. So I, it doesn't surprise me, but could there be a nicer duo than Steve Kerr and Monty Williams and the way that they try to uplift their mm-hmm. guys, the way they approach this, uh, than those two guys to run USA Basketball, which... You, I feel like you need that. I, I was kind of surprised Pop uh, was was the last coach and uh, Coach K was before that because these are guys dedicating their what amounts to free time mm-hmm. to being part of USA Basketball for multiple years. And I thought they might go more the route of the Steve Kerr, uh, you know, Monty Williams kind of coaching where it's player friendly, it's mm-hmm. not pushing overly hard. Uh, you know, where Coach K and 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 Coach Pop don't really subscribe to that. I don't that, know that so. they even know how to not do that, though. No. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so ingrained in their DNA. I don't know yeah. that they could really switch it up like that. I, I think for Pop, he eases back a little bit with Team USA basketball. Yeah, like, obviously, he true. wants to win, and Monty's talked about that because he's close to Pop, and, and he knew how bad Coach Pop wanted to win in the Olympics and whatnot. But it does seem like it's a little more lax for Team USA Basketball for him. But I really like these hires because you've got Steve Kerr and Monty Williams who over the last decade, probably the leaders on the front of like building a culture and cultivating Mm -hmm. a winning program out of that. And then you've got Eric Spolstra who's been like one of the game's best tacticians for years now. Like he is really good with X's and O's. He's also you know they always talk about heat culture and whatnot and that's not just him pat riley's a big part of that and the players but um a really good combination of basketball knowledge of creative offensive sets of good defensive principles like those are probably the three coaches i would have wanted to be in charge of of team usa basketball so they kind of grant you did a good job you nailed this one (laughs) yeah kudos to you i also feel like this is such a good coaching staff that not that We've seen too many players not want to participate, but I think with this coaching staff, you almost have even more of an incentive to want to participate mm-hmm. just because you know you're what you you can actually get something out of it. Like mm-hmm. these are the top of the top players and athletes in the league, right? So 
you kind of only look at it from a pride standpoint sometimes. Mm. Like you want this something, this experience because you're proud of your nationality or whatever it may be. But I also think that even though you're at the top of your game and the top of your league, you can still learn something from these three coaches. Mm. Oh, certainly. And I think it means something for the coaches uh, as well. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Steve Kerr's father was actually a, uh, not a dignitary, but a, uh, I'm blanking on the, on the name, but he he represented the ambassador. ambassador. Thank you. I believe he was uh, at one point. So there's, there's a connection to that. Uh, And, and anytime that you can wear that red, white, and blue, uh, and, and Kerr has been such a proponent of cultural change and what Mm -hmm. the spirit of America is, for a lot of people, I'm excited to see him do that and Monty very much that same way. And then yet these players get a chance to work with some of the best coaches in the world uh, with Monty and, and Spolstra and, and Steve Kerr. So it, it's going to be interesting for me. I'm selfish, right? Mm-hmm. And I look and I go, how does this impact me? As in, <laughs> how does this make the Phoenix Suns better so it makes the show better? Mm-hmm. And that's recruiting, oh, right? You're building yeah. those relationships. <laughs> it's recruiting time. Showing guys what they could experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say it's a good recruiting opportunity for the Warriors, for the Suns, and for the Heat. Three programs that are currently just on the basketball front. We're not we're not talking yeah. organization wise, <laughs> but just on the basketball front, very well respected around the league for putting out a winning product in recent years for being a place that guys want to play. Um, so now guys that are playing for team USA basketball, you know, they're going to be big names mostly. Um, but these are all guys that get a chance to work with Monty up close, work with these coaches up close. And um, these cut, these types of relationships are, are cool and they could be meaningful down the road. Who knows? Yeah. How does Monty undercut Kerr and Spolster though? <laughs> because we don't want these we guys get getting too close. We got to figure out, Hey, Steve's a great guy, but who knows how long he's going to be in Golden. <laughs> he may return to broadcasting or retire Spolster. You got Pat Riley there and yeah, he, he'll show you the rings, but that guy's a, a bit of a, a, a hard ass. So, so come to Phoenix. Yeah. We got champ. We got me. Like I, I want to hear Monty's elevator pitch, how he works, how he works these guys. Espo's yeah. already planting the seeds of discord oh, in look. Team USA. <laughs> you got it. Look, it's it, it's it's very much like any reality show when you're trying to win something mm-hmm. at the end. You got to play yeah, the game. I like everybody around, but I got to play the game. And, and I <laughs> I got Larry O'Brien on the mind. How do I make that happen? You it's know, gonna... it's it's book, it's CP3, and it's Monty going. Yeah, Miami, yeah, South Beach is nice, and Golden State, yeah, whatever. It's like, but, but it's Phoenix? so humid Phoenix? there, cost yeah. of living, in, you know, in San Francisco is so high. Have like... you ever been to Paradise Valley? There's a reason it's called Paradise Valley, all right? <laughs> Come to Phoenix. I'm just, I'm just picturing them being like on The Bachelorette when they like steal the person. Like, can I steal you for a second? Yeah, like yeah, on the totally. basketball court. Don't, don't, don't worry about Steve. Come over here. I can teach you more. Don't worry. That's amazing. She's more of a figurehead. I'm they doing all the work. They should make a reality show out of that. God, <laughs> I, could you imagine I, how great the content yeah. would be? Oh I my always gosh. thought free agency should be done 
like like the bachelor right i love that <laughs> where where the gm has to offer a rose they get to turn down each other in front like i feel like this is television we need they mm-hmm. need to televise <laughs> when gms show up at players houses at midnight on the first night of free agency <laughs> with the, with the coaches with their pitch i want to see that mm-hmm. give me that insight and yeah. then i want to see the the guys say now nah, i'm good i'm gonna go with this other team <laughs> totally. like that's that's the drama i'm here for yeah. could you imagine if people just uh, like if these teams and these organizations just allowed their content department to have access to that even if they don't release it but then you save it for a last dance type of documentary years and years down the road that would be gold Mm -hmm. like just pure gold to be able to see something like that go down in real life like actual visual of it like we were talking about this yesterday I was like, I kind of feel like the NBA needs one of those drama situations where, like, Blake Griffin, like, what was the whole situation where De- they were like flying a De- DeAndre Jordan, yeah, DeAndre Jordan, walk in, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I kind of feel like we need another one of those. Oh yeah, we, we definitely do. do. <laughs> always, always. any behind the scenes NBA content, I will eat it up no totally. matter. I know Lindsay said that just to trigger me though, because she's like. I know we both had these ideas when we were working for a team and we're told no. Yeah. So wouldn't it be great? Yeah, it would have been great, Lindsay. It would have. Um. Listen, we all tried. We tried really hard to get this content. We were told no endlessly. So maybe somebody will get a yes one day, but it wasn't us. It'll be us doing it after the fact with people we met during Dude, the time. seriously, though. Um, all right. Now that we have unofficially, officially announced Monty, <laughs> Uh, coaching staff or whatever over there at USA Basketball. Let's move on to our next topic. Isaiah Thomas signed a 10-day contract with the Los Angeles Lakers. He uh, scored 42 points in his NBA G League debut on Wednesday night. I know you have feelings, Espo, but I'm just going to say I love this because I think this guy deserves another shot. And everything he's been through, like, I'm here for it. I agree. He deserves another shot. And could the Lakers, you want the drama. I think the Lakers are doing everything they possibly can to give us that drama situation. Because I love IT, the guy. I know he works hard, but drama follows him in the NBA. Mm. And now you've put him in the hotbed of what the hell is going on, which is the Lakers locker room, right? That that roster makes no sense. Mm. It's been a total disaster. Now they're dealing with COVID. And now you go... IT, let's put him in there. <laughs> Christmas Day it could be really unique with Isaiah Thomas and the Lakers, like potentially imploding on mm. national television. It's like I love IT as well, but the Lakers are kind of hilarious. Like they are just going back to the well every chance they get of mm. players that haven't been in the league or probably shouldn't be in the league. Older guys, someone tweeted Isaiah Thomas, age 32, is the 10th oldest player on the Lakers. That is ridiculous. He's pretty young still then. Yeah, he's a spring chicken comparatively. And, then, <laughs> and you're talking about a guy who hasn't been in the league for like a year or two who's on his now third team with LeBron, I guess third time's the charm in their book, <laughs> who isn't going to fix any of their problems like with shooting or with defense. Availability, I think, was the problem he's facing. I, yeah, and that's yeah. that's another thing. Like you're, I mean, I know it's just a 10-day contract, so I don't want to like overreact like, oh, what a dumb decision, but it is, it's a funny one for sure. I love IT, but I, I don't see this being a thing. No. 
let's be honest. When you saw that and you heard Isaiah Thomas signs with the Lakers, you had to check which one yeah. because the Lakers are getting, <laughs> accumulating old guys. Yes. Like you went, no way it's the Detroit Isaiah Thomas, right? <laughs> like not a, maybe, I don't know, maybe. Uh, it, no, but luckily it wasn't. Yeah, uh, the thirty-two-year-old Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, I don't know. I'm happy for the guy. That's all I know. <laughs> I love that and... Lindsay's like. I'm just happy for the person that was Jalen Smith last night. I can't night. help <laughs> it. I can't help it. No, I'm happy for him too. I just, you know, it's a ten-day, and it's for a team that he has been on before and didn't make it with, and yeah. this iteration isn't much better. So I, I don't know. I hope that it works out for him, but if he's playing significant minutes for the Lakers, like they're in trouble. I mean, we'll find they're out on Tuesday because he'll be there. <laughs> they're in trouble, right? We'll be, we'll be seeing him and the Lakers on Tuesday, so mm-hmm. it'll be fun to see Ooh, how that, that one kind of shakes out. That could TNT. be another implosion. <laughs> Do you guys remember, speaking of IT, do you remember a few years ago when we had the IT Tyler Eulis jump ball? Yes, that was fantastic. That content. was one of the greatest <laughs> moments that I got to witness live mm-hmm. in my working career. The whole crowd it was stood up. So insane. <laughs> and it just like the fact that I don't know. I don't know how you guys felt, but that was like no. a highlight moment for sure because it was just so wild and no one expected <laughs> that to ever happen. Yeah, well, it was funny because like leading up to it was one of those moments where it was just like an organic like the crowd starts to get excited all at once and mm-hmm. then everybody's on their feet like cheering and you're like this is a fun moment because it's two like five nine dudes yeah. about to go at it for a jump ball i think that's more of a condemnation of the five years you spent with the organization I okay mean, fair if that's fair. like the best moment that you witnessed live oh, my, fi- my, my big it moment that i witnessed live was when they traded a third of the roster with five minutes left to go in the uh mm-hmm. trade deadline and and it was one of those guys when he got dealt to boston that was one of the most chaotic, bizarre moments in my career with the Suns because that was the day Woj tweeted like something to the extent of I don't even know or like yeah. because the whole league kind of shifted seats all yeah. in, in a five minute span and we had to remove basically everyone off the Suns ro- uh, roster and all their images off the site mm-hmm. and it being one of them and that was just such a weird. That's my IT memory. That's what sticks out to me is just the chaos that ensued at that trade deadline. Do you have an IT memory at all? (sighs) I remember his presence running Goran Dragic out of town. That's what I remember. I have have an IT memory. I love IT. I love IT. He was fantastic off the bench, and the three-point guard lineup actually worked statistically. The point guardians of the galaxy, yes. yes. But it it pissed (laughs) off their best player who was coming off of an all NBA season had just one most improved player and it basically alienated him and ran everything out of town. So you mean? playing Tough. your, your most improved player <laughs> as a point guard, as a small forward. Yeah. Probably not good idea. What That's we're fun. letting Shane talk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This, this go ahead. Fun. This one's fun. Yeah. A friend of a friend hit his Bentley. Um, when he was in Arizona for a short time, and he was so nice about it. He's, he was the nicest guy. He was, he was very, very nice. See? Loved him. He was See? very nice. <laughs> he, he's, he's very nice, except when you say on Twitter, 
I've seen enough Jamal Crawford for a lifetime when he's uh, when Jamal was on the Suns. Oh, did he come at you? Oh, I got flamed. I would have come at you too. Jamal Crawford is a sweet baby angel. Yes, you leave they, that slander out of your were, mouth. They, they were trying to play youth, and they were playing an old man multiple minutes a game. There was no point in it. Oh. Jamal Crawford and Cam Johnson can do no wrong. So you it are not wasn't Jamal's to, fault. You're not allowed he to say anything a, bad about that. It was not Jamal's fault. Coach said go in. He went in and played. Mm-hmm. I don't blame Jamal. I blame the coaching staff. <laughs> My point was the coaching staff. Still. You and I are going to have like a, a legit <laughs> fight on one of these shows. Thank I've been, God Gerald's back. I've been you're away gonna, too long. Oh, Holy we shit. We were starting to we figure. Were, we were close last night yeah, on Jalen Smith. Oh, boy. No, that was Cam Johnson. Oh, on Cam. Oh, oh on. Jaylen, a little bit on Jalen. No, you got a little testy with the Jalen. It's not, it's, but I'm not <laughs> I feel as bad for him. I do. I'm not as like, okay, but Cam Johnson, Jamal Crawford, two totally different areas than an IT and a Jalen okay. Smith as far as like, I will defend them. On the you, sweet baby angel scale. Look, <laughs> yeah, look, IT you, and Jalen Smith do not get a sweet baby They haven't even earned title. their wings yet. They don't have their wings. <laughs> Somebody ring a bell. We get a bell, we'll get them their wings. Uh, but, okay, so the Cam Johnson thing last night, mm-hmm. I step out of the room and and I don't see the alley-oop. Right. Right? Right. And she sells it to me as if it was the greatest moment in Son's history. That's not true. See, he's he's exaggerating. This is why we're gonna and fight. Like, eh. He's Johnny. And I was like, I was like, yeah. Eh. And she's like, how dare you besmirch the great name of the sweet baby angel, Cam Johnson? And I'm like, I'm not besmirching his name. I just didn't think it was that great of a play. Listen, if you get the title of a sweet baby angel, then like that is a very hard title to win. It's harder yeah. to win that than it is an MVP in this uh, league, okay? Who, who, who has earned that title in your Those book? Cam people, Johnson that's and it. okay. That's I, it. I'm Just about as far away from the sweet baby angel <laughs> designation as you can be right now, I think. Kenko oh JJM, let it go already. I think yeah, because I'm it... right. You're wrong. All right, we're gonna move on mm-hmm. <laughs> before this thing whole thing explodes. <laughs> Our next topic, Clay Thompson. He's a no-go for Christmas Day, officially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, according to Shams, which I feel like you can believe. Yeah, that's pretty much officially. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you can believe that. Shams Sharani said, the Warriors do not plan for Clay Thompson to, deb- to debut on either December 20th or December 23rd. Home games, sources tell me, um, Thompson won't come back on Christmas, so earliest possible return would be December 28th. So it's there you go. No, no. Full squad, both sides, Christmas Day matchup. So from an entertainment entertainment standpoint and just from being a guy who loves watching Clay Thompson play basketball and wants guys to be healthy, like obviously that's a bummer. Um, it would be really cool if Book and Clay were both back for mm-hmm. Christmas Day. But as a guy who's looking at the standings and Ball seeing turn. how close the Warriors and Suns are and knowing how much these head-to-head matchups could matter down the road if the standings are close... Hooray. Like, that's that's good. <laughs> See, logically, I know I should feel like that as a Suns fan, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's the part of me that goes, I do not want to hear and have my Christmas <laughs> ruined by the phrase, if only Clay Thompson played. <laughs> like, I had it's, my summer ruined by if only Jamal or if, if Jamal Murray would play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I don't need my Christmas ruined <laughs> by a bunch of Warriors fans when they get their asses handed to them by the Suns, telling me Clay Thompson would have changed everything after he hasn't played in like a thousand days. <laughs> and I wish that's not even an exaggeration. I think it's nine hundred and something he hasn't there. played. Yeah. We didn't know what isolation and COVID and anything like that was the last time Clay Thompson played. That's true. I mean, honestly, if somebody comes into your mentions on Twitter and just respond back, Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> Just let them Is know. Is that just going to be my response? Yeah, that's now? it. Frank just, just Frank Kaminsky, because the minute Frank comes back, like they're dead. Because he's going to have another 30 piece. S was going to end up getting a tattoo on his face, and it's going to be like a great time all around. I'll scream Frank Kaminsky, and then I'll whisper, Abdul Nader. <laughs> oh, no. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that one. Oh, but it's a bummer overall. But at the same time, Gerald, you bring up a very good point. It does work in our favor, regardless of what people on the Internet are saying. All that really matters at the end of the day is where the suns fall in the standings and then winning that chip. So mm -hmm. if this helps, then it helps. And you can't take it away because it is what it is. All right. Hold on. I think we need this. The Phoenix Suns are the best team in the NBA. And you'll see it again on Christmas Day with or without Clay. So. Yes, absolutely. With or without Devin Booker, too, because you just never know, even though all signs point to him being back for that Christmas Day game. Yes. All right. Our next topic. Gerald wrote some really good content this week on gophnx.com, and we're going to talk about it because mm -hmm. we haven't had you on to be able to break down <laughs> some of these pieces. So the first one we want to talk about is your article on DeAndre Ayton and um, just kind of how he's grown in that pick and roll spot. I think it's safe to say, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's safe to say the Suns legitimately have the best center and backup center tandem in the NBA right now. I think you, at the very least, will agree with me. Aspa, we could probably get you on board if you're. If you're oh, I'm already on board. Okay, I, good. I have a take, but I want I want Gerald's <laughs> content to have the time to breathe. <laughs> His nice. articles, the two articles, are probably the two best things you've written, and that's no slander on the other things you've written. Mm. I just have particularly loved the last <laughs> few. So you yeah. have the stage. I'm not going to interrupt. You. Appreciate that. Um, it was really striking watching. DA in Portland the other night and that was the biggest thing and that's why like that article that I wrote on his pick and roll growth I, I was up till five in the morning writing it and it was it's just been striking to me to see how much he's evolved on that front because last year with the pick and roll when he would catch the ball in the short roll if there was any space between him and a defender he wouldn't close it if there was a guy that cut him off he kind of wouldn't, he would might force up a shot or just kick it out with a two handed overhead bullet pass. And this year, he's putting the ball on the ground. He's attacking defenders. He's finishing over guys. He's finishing through guys. He's finding shooters on the perimeter. Like, if this is the DeAndre Ayton that we're going to see for the rest of his career, like, yeah, he needs the max like next summer. He needed the max already, but he's going to earn that max at this rate with the way that he's playing the pick and roll. So, Last year, he only ran two pick-and-roll possessions per game, which was 36th in the NBA. You think about DeAndre Ayton being a pick-and-roll guy, you should run him a few more pick-and-roll. Like Dario Saric averaged more pick-and-rolls per game last year than Ayton did. This year, it's nearly it's doubled. It's up to 4.1 per game, which is sixth in the entire league. So they're running it a lot more, and he's being super effective. He's scoring 1.4 points per possession on pick-and-roll possessions as the roll guy, which is the third most in the NBA. And he's shooting 77% on those possessions, which is the second best percentage in the NBA among guys who have run 50 pick and rolls. 
So he's been phenomenal on that front. And then you combine that with JaVale McGee, who is second in the NBA in points per possession on pick and rolls, 1.5, and is shooting 78.3% on those possessions, which is first in the NBA. So they have the two highest percentage on roll guys shooting the ball, and they have two of the top three on points per possession on pick and roll guys. So that is just incredible. Like the Suns are hammering teams with this pick and roll right now. And DA over these last few games has been phenomenal, you know, without Booker for basically the last six games, five and a half. He's averaging 20 points, which is a team high, nine and a half rebounds and almost three assists and almost five free throw attempts. Like before that, he was averaging like one and a half assists and almost three free throw attempts. So he's elevating his games and being more aggressive in ways that he just really hasn't to this point or hasn't been able to show consistently. And he's doing it at the perfect time with book out. Um, so it's been really impressive to watch his growth in the pick and roll. I wrote about it way more in depth on GoPHNX if you want to check it out with a lot of like video clips to showcase some of the things that I'm talking about. But for me, his ability to put the ball on the floor when he catches it in the short roll, as we've talked about so many times, is really elevating him to a dynamic pick and roll player. How, do you? How much do you think uh, the fact that Chris Paul is now fully? It, it seems like in in what he said in interviews that he's more fully comfortable with mm-hmm. DA this year, that things are starting to click more. They, he talked about, you know, there was something they'd been working on for months and it clicked mm-hmm. in one of the recent games. Like, is, is it part comfort level that, that Chris Paul now knows that can be his role pick and roll partner there? Yeah. I, I think they've talked about it, that the trust is, is getting even better. Like Monty said, their pick and roll chemistry is, has evolved and it's still evolving. Um, you know, Chris said something interesting that like we have these conversations and sometimes they can be arguments, but like they're arguments in the service of months down the road in a critical juncture of a game. We have that like we're on the same page. We have that ironed out. So it's really cool to watch that happen, because when Chris Paul first came to Phoenix, there was a lot of concern about what that what his impact would be on D.A. Obviously, yeah. he makes bigs better everywhere that he goes but when it comes to a guy like da like the mental toll of playing with chris paul how much he expects of his teammates what effect would that have and da has been totally receptive to the criticism they've had that dialogue going back and forth and when you have that trust when you have that building chemistry and when you just have more time on the floor together surrounded by shooters who help space things out like that's a really that's a really dynamic combination so code JJM in the chat, and I don't I don't think he's trying to be mean here or anything, but I think, Gerald, you should respond. He mm-hmm. said Max McGee then, too, because I'm not seeing the big difference. So the difference with McGee is that he is hyper efficient in limited minutes. And that's kind of what I wrote about today is that like per 36 minutes, JaVale McGee is an absolute god. Like he would be one of the best NBA players to ever play. He's averaging Uh, almost 24 points, 17 rebounds, and about two blocks per 36 minutes. Like, the guy is super productive when he's on the court. He's only playing 16 minutes a game, and there's a reason for that, and it's because he does get tired, and when you play him for longer than four, five, six minutes, he's prone to making mistakes, getting a little fatigued, Um, and you need a guy like DA, like the guy logged 45 minutes in his first game back after being sick the other night. Um, I mean, that's a big difference being able to do it in 16 minutes versus being able to do it in 40 plus minutes. Right. JaVale McGee's a geyser and DeAndre Ayton's a waterfall. Like, yeah. <laughs> quick, 
quick burst for JaVale McGee, and he's great. DeAndre Ayton can can do that sustained, and mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a different. But that's why they they work so well together. That's mm-hmm. why I mean, for me, they're the best center tandem in Suns history mm-hmm. that we have ever seen. It's the first time ever that the center position is a true position of strength yeah. for the Suns, and that defense is such a big part of it. And these two guys are why. And I, this is kudos to James Jones because JaVale McGee was kind of lost in obscurity last year between Cleveland and, and Denver. He didn't really even play much in that Denver series when they were going to get swept right. against the Suns. Like It wasn't like he was being used. James Jones looked at it and went, I know exactly how to use him. Mm-hmm. Monty said, I know how to work him into the system and make him effective. And that's why he's such a, a lethal combination with DeAndre Ayton. And you need two guys. Like Why, why is it Oh, DeAndre Ayton, you know, JaVale can do what he does. Yeah, in short bursts, and that's exactly what you want from your backup. Mm-hmm. You want a guy that can come in and play similar to the way your starter is for short minutes till your starter gets back out there. Yeah. I it's, it it doesn't it, I don't know why it has to be one or the other. You can have both. Right. And then that's the thing we should note about McGee is not just the conditioning and and the limited minutes with his production, but also like DA's doing it against starters. Mm-hmm. JaVale McGee most of the time is doing it against bench guys like and there are a couple other things like DeAndre Ayton is shooting 81% at the rim according to cleaning the glass which is in the 96th percentile JaVale McGee is at 68% which is still good but it's only the 56th percentile so like yeah. DA is a much better finisher he's a much better screener because he ranks second in screen assists um, and I know Utah Jazz fans love that stat, so I'm not going to put too much <laughs> emphasis on that. But Just because the Jazz fans yes. like it. Screw them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anything Jazz fans like, <laughs> I'm probably not on board with. But he's second in the league in screen assists, which is pretty notable. Um, and also, like, JaVale McGee's per 36 dominance also extends to his turnovers and his fouls. Mm-hmm. Three, three and a half turnovers and 5.7 fouls for 36. So you got to foul out every yeah, game. Yeah, he's going to foul out if you start. You got him. You may as well use <laughs> them, right? Yes. <laughs> if you, much like the contract, why not max it? If you're gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna have the fouls, you yeah, you you use all six of them. Yeah, fair. The, the Mark West mentality of Sun Centers. Yeah. But through okay, to talk about Javale a little bit more, through 14 years in the league, he's never posted a higher scoring or rebounding average per 36 minutes. And his field goal percentage is the second highest mark of his career. What do you, what all do you attribute this success to this year? Yeah, so we've kind of asked them and Monty and a couple of the guys about this. And, you know, obviously McGee is a guy who has been a good pick and roll above the rim threat everywhere in his career. Um, we asked JaVale about it and he just goes Chris Paul. Like that's, <laughs> that's the reason for him. But he also mentioned developing that chemistry with campaign um, Payne said on the first day of training camp, he went up to Payne and said, just throw the ball up there. I will go get it. And as a guard, when you have that kind of presence there that you can like DA, I love DA, but he's not always above the rim in that same way that McGee is like, you can overshoot uh, DeAndre Ayton. JaVale McGee, it's a little bit harder to do that. Are, are we sure that Cam didn't misunderstand that, though? And that's why he's just <laughs> he's throwing just it off the backboard yeah. this year instead of trying to make the layoff? It, I mean, it's possible. We'll have to, I'll have to follow <laughs> up on that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I took the assignment too far. Um, is but, that a thing? <laughs> it is now. Yeah, but McGee said something interesting, which is, and I really hope the feed DA crowd is listening to this because – McGee pointed out that Monty is really good about designing sets to that capitalize on the big skills, like not traditional post-ups because 
Like neither he nor DeAndre Ayton have a lot of moves in their bag. They have that jump hook and they have their size and their strength, but they're not, you know, they're not Kevin McHale from the past, like no. working in the post. They're not Hakeem Olajuwon with the footwork, but Monty does a good job with his sets of setting things up so that guys are rolling and they're being put in positions to succeed. And even when they don't get the ball, that gravity of them rolling, having to send a guy to help on that every time always opens up shooters on the backside. I, in defense of the feed DA crowd, mm -hmm. I, at least, and I can only speak for myself and what I think I know of, of Saul's thinking, mm -hmm. which is scary that I can get inside <laughs> his head, but it's, I think you brought up the stat that this year they're using him more in the role, right? Mm -hmm. That they're going to that. And I feel like that is more of what the feed DA crowd is trying to make the point of because without Devin Booker, there is a, a renewed emphasis or an emphasis on going to DeAndre and in the pick and roll. And why can't that be the case in games where he starts to get hot in the first half. And now I understand defensive change. Sometimes things are taken away mm -hmm. in a second half, but sometimes I just feel like they go away from that. And I, I feel like that's where some of the feed DA crowd is. Right. And and I think that was, it's interesting that you bring that up because we're way early in the season, there was that half where DA went off and mm -hmm. then he had a bunch of shot attempts. And then I think in the second half, he had like one or two, two. Yeah. and people were pissed about that. They were like, why didn't Deandre and get more touches? And I wrote an article about that and I went back at the film and I looked at the second half at all his touches to figure out like, okay, were they really just missing him? Were they not putting an emphasis on getting him involved? They were running a lot of the same offense. The difference was that the defense was sending multiple guys at him. And so their strategy was working. The Suns lost that. I think it was the Kings game. Yeah, I think it might have been the Kings. And they lost that game. So everyone was upset and they blamed it on that. But if you look at the film, like, Devin Booker and Chris Paul just missed a lot of the mid-range shots yeah. that they are hyper-efficient at. And those shots were being freed up by DA doing the same thing he was doing in the first half. The defense just adjusted to try and take him away. So I feel like it's it's a... When shots aren't falling, of course you're going to look at, okay, why didn't this guy get more shots? Or why didn't this yeah. guy get more shots? But that is both the blessing and the curse of the Suns offense as they have so many weapons and they have that we score mentality and they... They always say those cliche things like anybody it could be anybody on any on any given night. Which, but this team like really does that. Well, Thursday night was proof of that. Yeah, you look, <laughs> you look across the box score and you're like, "There's no one star. Everybody did the work tonight." You yeah. Know? So yeah, so it, it's one of those things where I, I think the offense works when and when shots aren't falling, it's more noticeable that the backfire the way that it backfires a little bit. Um, but it but it does work when those shots are falling when defenses have to adjust and take DA away because, you know, even back then they were still running a lot of pick and rolls with DA in that game and, and in games like it. Um, there, there's been a renewed sense on that front. So for the DA, the fee DA crowd, like they're working on it. They're running a lot of pick and rolls <laughs> to get him involved. And that's where he's best. He's not best as a, you know, traditional post-up guy or a spot up mid range shooter. He's best in that movement and in that action. So they're, they are feeding DA if if you were, you know, able to keep an eye on those pick and rolls. Is there anything else about either of these two articles that you wrote that you do want to touch on before we move on to our next topic? No, just read them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll keep them employed. You should read them. And if you want to read the DA one, 
subscribe to our newsletter, you can see it there too. Yes. We're going to start sending out once, maybe once a week. It depends on uh, if <laughs> I, we have to manually send them right now, but we're going to send out some of Gerald's articles as free previews through our email newsletter. So mm -hmm. check that out yeah, and, uh, for sure. and read Gerald's stuff because I've become a smarter basketball mind because of it. Uh, and if I can get smarter, you can too. So absolutely. Appreciate that. Yeah. Go phnx.com. The DeAndre in piece is available to everyone. The JaVale McGee piece is available to our members. So everybody head on over there and check that out. One quick question mm -hmm. um, before we move on. Uh, Jubin said, a little late, but do y'all think this play from DA keeps up when Booker gets back and he gets less touches? I think the I think the scoring will naturally go down. Um, the assists will probably go down too, but I, I think... You look at the Suns' offensive numbers; they're they're you know obviously clearly better with their best or second best player, depending on who you ask. So yeah, I, I do think Da's touches will go down a little bit, his scoring will go down, um, but not like in a noticeable way or a way where he's feeling underutilized. Because like we've been talking about, even when he or McGee don't get touches on those roles, they're freeing things up for the offense and making it better. Um, so his importance will still remain where it is right now it's just he, right now he's really answering the bell and then picking up some of that scoring slack which is what you need in times like this when your best or second best player whatever you want to call it is out yeah do you, do you think it makes his case for getting the bag yes what we've seen like Absolutely. I, I put that out on twitter and i got a lot of crap because well two games don't make but it's not it's not two games it's mm -hmm. the it's just the stark contrast of how they are with and without him, right? Mm -hmm. And and what he's been able to 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 grow, like you point out in the article, even within the parameters of playing with with CP three mm -hmm. and book. I, I don't I don't know what more this guy can do to to prove it, but you know, he's he's done all I could have asked because you know we we talked about this over the summer, like. DA in a nutshell, maybe not worth a max, but because other guys in his talent range or whatever you want to call it are getting maxes, absolutely was worth the max. And they didn't give him one. Now I think he's legitimately looking like a player who is worth the max. And, you know, you can point to the stretch early in the season where he missed games with the lower leg contusion and the Suns kept chugging along because JaVale McGee was great. Frank Kaminsky was playing out of his mind. Um but now Frank Kaminsky is hurt and you you're looking at regular season games, a small stretch versus what it's going to be in the playoffs. Like maybe you can't play Frank Kaminsky in a playoff series against the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe, maybe we saw yeah. you can't play. I love, he Frank had a great game anybody, six, but yeah. he had a great he, game he six, did but, the best that he could yes, but, what he was but he was outmatched and we know that. And we know that against better teams, you're going to need DA playing 36 to 40 minutes in the playoffs on a given night. So you know, I love ja JaVale McGee, but he's yeah. not that guy. And if you don't have DeAndre Ayton, you are legitimately missing out on a top three to five center in the league right now. Yep. Hey, you just you can't replace what what he's able to do in the efficiency uh, and the defensive end, which is not as quantifiable as everything else. So. Absolutely. All right. One last reminder. If you want more in-depth on this topic, head to gophnx.com right now and read Gerald's articles. You will not be disappointed, we promise. Okay, before we get to our final topic of the day, let me tell you guys about the latest no-brainer from the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. If you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the promo code PHNX, after you place a $1 bet on any NFL team to score, you can win $100 in free bets 
If they score, you score with the promo code PHNX this week at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Again, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Espo, do you have a pick of the week for us? I do. What are we betting on this week? We're going to the wacky world of darts. Wait, what? No way. Wacky world of darts. I love this. The PDC World Championships of darts taking place this weekend. And Saturday at 3 p.m. Arizona time, it's Michael Van Gerwen versus Chad Barstow. The Gur? The Gur versus the Chaz. That's right. I have no words. (laughs) You know what what else is really fun? Uh, Russian table tennis. It's like 50-year-old Russians playing table tennis. It's so fun. Who? This is my pick of the week shane if you want to hear shane's pick the week go to instagram for the defen lock or the bet show if you want to win some money i got your pick of the week you need to listen to right now and like i said we're at the pdc world championship of darts that's right i'm gonna take chaz barstow a plus 800 on the money line to win i don't even know how you win in darts but it's gonna be chaz barstow you throw darts at a board and you hopefully win i don't know like i'm just i'm giving you my pick of the week and it's Chaz Barstow plus 800 to beat Michael Van Gerwen. Take it to the bank. All right. I, this man just made a pick of the week for darts. I don't. Hey, you, <laughs> I blind bet cricket on this. Money. You might win a here, lot of money. I, here, I'm gonna just for you. Is it a bullseye? Right, guarantee? right now, right? Yeah, it's a bullseye. <laughs> oh yeah, an Espo bullseye oh for the pick God. of the week. <laughs> You know, I'm since you you are seem so uh, <laughs> crazy that I'm going to live bet right here. Oh no! I'll put five dollars down on Jeff Smith the money line okay. to win versus Ross Smith. Apparently, it's brothers fighting it in in the Dart World Championship. I'm not related. I have no. Yeah, oh, it's man. Lindsay Smith's brothers, <laughs> Jeff and Ross, fighting each other in World Dart Championship. I just put five bucks down on it just okay. for you, Jerry. All right, live Good dart luck, betting yes, on the show. Last time I did this i hit on a cricket match so okay no wonder my dad ha- thinks yeah, i have a gambling it's problem fair, it's fair yeah, <laughs> i mean, went 15 bucks on that i need to read the number a couple of times yeah, this episode so, <laughs> chaz uh, barstow <laughs> your pick of the week in the world dart championship just remember on the DraftKings sportsbook app it is 21 and older only arizona only gambling problem espo remember this 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Oh, it's on speed dial. It's New number two on the phone. customers only eligibility. I text them all the time. They're helpful. <laughs> eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Chris in the chat said, when does Saul come back? I believe he's back on Monday. <laughs> I think yes. Lindsay's thinking, not soon enough. Hasbro's <laughs> <laughs> gone off the rails. We just needed a buffer. And Gerald's here. He's in the middle. That's why yeah. Gerald's in the middle today. I'm hurt. I'm You're wearing kidding. socks that I bought you as a secret Santa, and you besmirch socks. my good name. <laughs> you started it. I did not. You started it with I your words. I did not. How dare you? My favorite is indignant Espo sounds a lot like Batman. <laughs> so, Chris in the chat said that macho man Randy Savage. That, that too. I can go Bane. Nobody cared who I was until I put oh. on a mask. Yes. <laughs> I Why is he Spanish? I don't know. Bane has an indistinguishable <laughs> accent in that movie. <laughs> I, feel like I don't know about that one. You want my Bane yeah. impression? Do it. Uh, what? Give me, give me the iconic line. What was the line? Uh, the Bane's best line. Bane, you were. You were born in you are oh. no. I you were born in you darkness. adopted darkness. Yeah. I was born. In, in you darkness. merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. See, that's a good bane. Molded by it. <laughs> I'm Batman. 
We should do a whole show where I'm Batman and you're Bane. Your throat's going to hurt so bad at the end of one of those shows. You would like that, wouldn't you? I would like that. Oh, my God. I would hate that. (laughs) Our producer just walked in like, what the fuck is going on here? Only the greatest show in podcast history. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to move on to our final segment of the day. It's Friday, and that means we've got a brand new G-rated coming at you. Today we're going to talk about Succession. Yes, we are. Oh, no. We got to... In a non-bat... <laughs> okay. Succession, Shame not cut his mic. <laughs> 78 days until the new Batman movie, by the way. Just so you know. Oh, he's got it. He's got the I, countdown I going. Yeah. He's Ayo, ready. Watch out. Uh, so, yeah. Tell succession. us about this, guys. I have not watched it. I Ooh. might watch it next summer. I'm always a little late to the party. No. You, on a lot next of summer you have a busy oh, busy yeah. schedule coming I up do. you should just lock yourself in the house the next two days we don't have games mm-hmm. we have a binge. game on sunday so what yeah. you can watch it till six o'clock on sunday binge watch the heck out of it it is spectacular and the finale of season three mm-hmm. was unbelievable okay real quick i'm gonna put this disclaimer out there there might be spoilers within this conversation so if you have not seen the finale yet and you don't want it to be spoiled Mm -hmm. now is your time to just check out and come back and hang out with us on sunday okay we appreciate you we'll see you later spoiler alert for sure i'm Uh, i don't care if you spoil it for me to be honest (laughs) with you because the likelihood of me actually watching you're you're the person that pulls up wikipedia and like just reads the plot you're like oh wow that's interesting then you feel like you watched it afterwards as logan Logan roy would say to everybody (laughs) leaving for spoiler alerts fuck off fuck off (laughs) fuck off yeah i do a terrible logan roy but that's fine it's hard to do his voice honestly the last time we talked about succession Mm -hmm. i said it was the worst depiction of a greg ever Mm -hmm. right yes I take that back after the finale. You've, you've come around. It's a comeuppance. He's, he's really come up I mean, over the last... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> juggling, juggling a Contessa mm-hmm. and another woman, mm-hmm. uh, now part of the lower rung of the upper class, yeah. as he was told. Mm-hmm. Him and Tom kind of just went... <laughs> To hell with being the bottom feeders. We're mm-hmm. taking charge of all this. They really did. And it was, I mean, that was kind of, uh, that was the mic drop moment of the season, obviously, when you find out that Tom is kind of the one who sold out his wife. He shivved his wife. Yeah. Shiv. That's Shiv. a dick move. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was well it warranted. Was, yeah. Because Shiv in the previous is, episode, she basically said, I don't love you. Shiv okay. is like kind of That's the fair. worst. And I, I feel like they needed a divorce in season one now they need like a full-blown annulment and like separate like he he bad. tom just cut himself loose and he good did. on tom he did with it but like shiv shiv is probably the worst of the roy characters i think i it's, it's I calculated it's, it's, it's done on purpose what's his name um not kendall shiv oh, and oh, uh, roman roman yeah, romulus. romulus yeah yes. um he's probably the worst in my book just because he's such a like scheming little weasel yeah, and he's I, also like just a full blown dick. But I don't. I, I think he does it because he badly wants to be part of the siblings, and they've treated him support. Shiv is calculated, mm-hmm. and it goes beyond you know like the pettiness mm-hmm. that Roman has. Oh yeah. Well, she released that press release that basically threw him under the bus publicly oh, for all his yeah, addiction she, stuff. Yeah, she killed Kendall. That's her brother. Almost literally. Yeah, and that's. So I wanted to talk about the, so like the Roman children, that's the thing is they could have taken down their dad if they'd have just teamed up at the beginning of the season when Kendall reached out to all of them. 
They could yeah. have done it. And it was cool to see them come together at the end in that limo ride. And she's like asking, like, do you want to kill dad? And he's like, pass me the fucking shotgun. Yeah. Like, Wait, his kids are not literally, not literally kill. Like kill him as in take him out as head of the company, basically. Oh, okay. okay. Like, are we ready to kill dad? I was dad? like, wait, what is this show about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's basically a modern day Game of Thrones for okay. the yes. head of a company. It's Game of Thrones without the violence basically mm. it's it's like arrested development but more serious a dramatic arrest yeah a dramatic arrested development meets game of thrones i don't because yeah, the like, family's like super fair. dysfunctional and fair and it is very funny like it's a pretty Connor funny show jo- job <laughs> yeah like it's, kendall is michael yeah no i yeah it's i a can little... actually see it. this is actually yeah this is actually a really good uh good comparison yeah. i mean it, it's but it's re- it's one of the best shows on tv right now um, I it's, think I'd only put Better Call Saul ahead of it, probably. But it is the only show I've been addicted to like this since Mad Men. Okay, like I love I love the Marvel mm. TV universe, and and I watch those, yeah. and I've enjoyed them. Mm. But I wasn't going and reading after the fact recaps and stuff. Yeah, like I did that with every Mad Men. Mm-hmm. I've done that with Succession since I I binged. The first two seasons while I was supposed to be working at my old job <laughs> while, while working from home. Mm. Uh, and I I love, I fell in love with it. And now every Sunday I'm watching, I'm reading the recaps. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, what did I miss? What, what's this? How are other people reading this? Mm. Like the, the penultimate episode where everybody thought, well, is Kendall dead? Yes. I was reading every, I'm like, right. okay, whose opinions got what? Because yes. I'm- I'm on the fence with. I need this. clarity I on need, this. I need to. Un- and where the hell? I didn't think they were going to top it. Like I thought. Yes. I thought this is going to be one of those season finales where the the episode before the season finale right. was, the, was the real season finale. No, I was wrong. It was. I and that's so. I did have a little problem with kind of the fake out, like at the end of the penultimate episode, like it ends with Kendall face down and like bubbles coming out of his mouth, and you think like, okay, he might have actually died, and you don't know. It leaves you on the cliffhanger. And then to start the first episode, it's like immediately dissolved, resolved. Like he's he's fine. Obviously, he's a little traumatized because Ken is going through it this season. But like, I was like, uh, I felt like you needed need... that though to set up that set up you, some of the elements in that episode because the you most did. powerful scene in the whole season, I felt, was when Kendall had the breakdown, yes, laying in the mm-hmm. street basically, mm-hmm. and then you get the first semi feel of human moments. Between these siblings, the siblings, right? Yeah. And and it, it showed that this is why I, I can't dislike Roman. Mm. I love that we've basically just it's been like, fine. Lindsay, I'm, I'm, ha- it's, I'm it's happy fine. to step aside. It's fine. <laughs> but I felt I felt bad that uh it was the first time I felt like you really saw how Roman is incapable of the human emotion based yeah. on how badly his childhood was. He tries to be there for Kendall mm. and he only knows how to say the joke and right. pat his shoulder. And that moment I went, Oh my God, that's me sometimes. Like <laughs> oh, I can't no. handle human emotion. <laughs> oh, I make no. the joke and go, it's okay. Oh, like, no. I don't know how to, but, but then that, so if you don't have the fake out, you don't get that moment. That's true. And then it doesn't set up the juxtaposition that you see in one of the final scenes where it's the siblings again. Yes. And it's Roman having the breakdown because he realizes Dad doesn't love us at all, right? Mm-hmm. No. He does not That's care sad. about us. And Kendall 
winds up having to be the one to put mm-hmm. his hand on on his shoulder and console him. And in both situations, Shiv doesn't give a crap. She's just more worried <laughs> She's about focused on her own how, shit. To, how to fix the business mm-hmm. or how to fix what's happened with the business and the fact, yes, in in the last scene, how to come to terms with the fact that her husband has basically cut out her knees. Yeah. Now, I take it back. I think the worst Roy might actually be the mother. It might be. That was a that was a twist I didn't see coming. And I was like, oh, man, come on, mom. But like, you're right. To your point, I think the fake out bothered me because of how quickly it was resolved. But you don't get the probably the best or the most emotional scene of the season without it. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the show. And a lot of people don't like that. A lot of the characters are just downright unlikable sometimes. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting to see their damage from their upbringing play out in the way that they treat each other and the way that they try to come back together to each other. Like you were saying with Rome, like all he had to offer were like irreverent jokes that like made his brother laugh and showed that he cared. But like he's not capable of any true emotion like that. But that's why I love the rise of the antihero in television, Mm -hmm. because that's life. Yeah. Not not every there isn't always an immensely redeeming quality. Mm-hmm. about people because they've been messed up by their by their life their struggles whatever the case may be and that you have to find the things that that you like or are semi redeeming in the mess yeah and i this show does that so well that it that it's so uncomfortable at times and then you find yourself going why do i like this character that seemingly has no <laughs> redeemable quality mm-hmm. and i think there's elements of each of these characters that you go I like that. Like even even uh, you know Logan. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I like the fact that he can just de- you know detach himself and make the decision that needs to be made. Right. You know, he doesn't case. lose for a reason. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see where it goes for season four because, like I said, it's probably the second best show on TV right now. Um, and like you were saying, there are very few shows that like not since Breaking Bad where I'm just like digesting all the content that I can about it after the fact and like leading up to the next episode and whatnot. So um, it's a really good show. If you have not seen it, I would definitely recommend it. Season three just wrapped up and there's 10 episodes in the first two seasons and there's nine in the third. So, when yeah. do they come out usually? Uh, Sundays, but no, I mean like in the fall. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I got a whole yeah. year until I need to watch yeah. that. Which means she's never going to watch yeah, she's it. If gonna, I do, it'll be this summer. By okay. the way, Logan Roy. Mm-hmm. Would he make a good NBA GM? No. Uh, he, <laughs> he would until Cruises got him investigated well, by Baxter Holmes yeah, and ESPN we'll or that. something. Fair enough. <laughs> dun, dun, he, dun. You know what? I shouldn't say this, but we'll say it anyways. Mm. There were some interesting parallels in season three <laughs> of Succession and what may be going on in a in a certain uh, you know franchise. So. Well, then I don't know if I want to watch it. It's, no, it, it's you kinda... feel you feel kind of. Nah. Is it therapeutic or re-traumatization? I don't uh, know. It's thera- a toss yes. Up. Therapy. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. You're right. Yes. Uh, yes. What better way to deal with the trauma than face it head on? Oh, boy. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, Espo, season three, what would you give it out of 10 Phoenixes, since that's the unit of grading that we use here? It would have to be Phoenix with the middle finger up yes. to, to describe this show, but <laughs> I'm going nine and a half. It had a wow. little everything. Like, mm-hmm. there were some complaints about the the beginning and, oh, was it meandering or is it going like, there's no plot. There's no plot. You don't plot. watch it for the plot. Yeah, well, A, yeah, no. This, but 
but there was a plot and it mm. went somewhere and there were elements of it. Like if mm. it, like they're micro plots, I almost feel like there's the plot with, uh, you know, uh, with the, the family, mm. there's a plot with Tom and Greg, there's all sorts of things. Right. Uh, and such great moments like suing Greenpeace is just hilarious <laughs> to me. It, but Greg on the come yeah. up suing Greenpeace, yeah, juggling two women. Look, uh, finally, sure, is he going to be the villain by the end of the show, Espo? No, he already sounds like the villain. My prediction: <laughs> he's going to wind up CEO. I you That's told me that last ends. time too. I'm still struggling to see it, but he's about to be Luxembourg royalty I, if he gets with the contestants. And he's so about to be the lower level of the upper uh, upper class, <laughs> yeah. right? And so uh, there's a chance. Uh, nine and a half. I, there, nine and this a half. was this was some peak television for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and without that, that Kendall scene and the twist at the end of the finale, it was probably in the eight, eight and a half range. Okay. But that final episode was such a payoff for everything that we saw this season that uh, eight, eight and nine and a half for me. Yeah. I didn't really get a lot of the criticism for the early part of the season. I felt like the last three or four weeks, every episode that came out was the new best episode of that season. Yeah. Like Kendall's birthday party was probably the epitome of succession like it was cringeworthy it was so funny ridiculous. it was emotional it was insane like that was in the party yeah oh that God. was that was like peak succession to me that until was peak the finale. Roman too outside yes. of that outside of the scene with the picture where he makes the face <laughs> oh my god yeah. i forgot about yeah. the dick pic oh already already a classic meme oh already a classic line in yes. in uh, phx sunset i forgot about the dick pic <laughs> like if you're listening to this on audio that just threw me for a loop yes from, <laughs> it's you'll know what i mean when you eventually watch it okay. because that is a You've classic seen the memes. it doesn't show like an actual dick pic no, I, yes it does <laughs> Oh, it does it actually. Does, no, yeah. it does. It does. Right. That's thoroughly uncomfortable. I forgot. So yeah. I get to yeah. be re-traumatized again in yes. that way. Oh, yes. no. Uh, oh no. We. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's really, it's really funny though. I, I don't know. Like, are you a sicko? Scene, are you a sicko? Yeah. <laughs> Which is the line of the of the season for me. Yeah, it's. I I, can't, I just there were so many good moments from the season. I would probably have to give it a nine out of ten. Okay, so we're right in the same. Have you ever given anything a ten out of ten? Yes. I can't remember. It's been a while, though. I have a feeling next week he's going to give something a 10 out of 10. I might. So it has to be like an actual cinema classic. Like, I, like I love Star Wars, but I wouldn't give a Star Wars movie like a 10 out of 10. I get the feeling that we're going to talk about Spider-Man No might. Way Home we next might. week, and I think you're going to give I've heard nothing but good things. I'm very excited. So we'll see. I'm going to see it tonight, actually. So pretty pumped. I'm hoping to go tomorrow. How Lindsay exciting. Will see it in Lindsay. Three, like, That's Lindsay great. will see it in three years on Disney Plus when she steals somebody's password. I actually have Disney Plus. All so. right. Okay. Well, technically, I guess I am stealing someone's but It's a family. I, I okay. pay for one, they pay gotcha. for the next, and mm. we all share. But, you know but, what I mean? By the way, Shane, are we down to like one uh, one viewer on this? Uh, whoa, oh, wow. wow. For some reason. For some reason. <laughs> oh, oh, for so long. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I'm that's so fair. glad that you all didn't tune out of the succession talk <laughs> if you haven't watched it go watch it mm -hmm. uh, skip the next three suns games and just go watch watch it join us for the post game but skip the actual games so. yeah see the, the thing is is that i'm not going to watch it till next summer because i don't want to watch it now and then have to wait a year like mm -hmm. i plan this strategically like if i'm going to binge a show to catch up i'm going to binge a show to catch up within a month of it the next season coming out so i don't have to wait have That's you watched fair. rick and morty 
No. That's a good one. That's a good one to finish too. Watch I, Better Call Saul if you haven't. That's I, phenomenal. I tried. I couldn't get into it. Did at you first. going? It's did you watch? Uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Okay. Breaking Bad is the only show I legitimately watch every single Sunday on television. It's the goat. It's the only show I've ever it's done that. So good. Because it was, I think it was before, it was before like Hulu and all that stuff yeah. really took off. Mm -hmm. So that was the only show for the entirety of that show every Sunday I committed to watching. I think I've said this, but I binge watched Breaking Bad, which is a very bad way to watch that show yeah. because- <laughs> I could see where if you watched it over five years and you saw the the mm. pro slow progression of mm. Walter White, but I went literally in a week. I binge so watched oh, the whole yeah. thing, mm. and it was like, oh my god, he went from dying, uh, you know, learning he's got cancer to being this guy. Like, yeah. what? It's unnerving to watch that one fast. So I binged the first three seasons, and then at that point, I was caught up. And season three had just ended, and season three ends on a major cliffhanger. So from season four on, I watched week to week and I loved doing that because like we talked about, I digested all the content I could. I would like rewatch the last week's episode before the new one. And like everyone was talking about it every Sunday, especially for that last season when everyone had caught up basically on Netflix. It was like a TV event, like Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones. Those were like the weekly I TV events. I loved I it until the last it. two seasons. And then they, I was sad the way that it ended. Screwed like, the that pooch. Was stupid. Gerald, did they take away your new, New Mexico birth certificate because you didn't watch the first three seasons in <laughs> they, real time? So everyone kept telling me to watch it. And actually my, uh, my cousin's uncle, he's not my uncle, but he's my cousin's uncle plays Gomi in that show. Stephen Michael Casada. Um, so I know Dean him dropper. and, yeah, so he's so wow. I felt really bad that I hadn't watched it. I just wasn't a big TV binger at the time, and then I got to college, and I was like, "Well, I have a lot of extra time oh my now." God, so, you got to college. Yeah, <laughs> I was. In I college just, too. I just, I just dated myself and made him feel a little bit old. I but. think I was like married for like five years by the time <laughs> I watched that. Uh, but yeah, Anyways. if 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 you like Breaking Bad, like this first season takes a little while to get going, and it's more of a slow burn, but it's really funny. And pe some people say it's better than Breaking Bad. I don't, but it's it's the best show on TV right now. I would say Shane's asleep behind the Mac. We probably should wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, I think quietly, so. Quietly leave the <laughs> studio. <Just> quietly <laughs> tiptoe yeah. out. Don't wake oh, the baby. <laughs> 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 well, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the PHNX Suns podcast. If you haven't seen Succession, please go watch it so that Espo and Gerald can. Bring you in on all the things. If you have questions along the way, feel free to tweet them. Um, don't tweet me because I won't be able to help you. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at LindsaySmithAZ. You can follow Gerald Borgay on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. You can follow Espo on Twitter at Espo. And, of course, you can follow the show on Twitter at PHNX underscore Sons. Espo, take us home. Uh, follow Lindsay and send her uh, Roman uh, Logan, oh, uh, no. Roman Roy uh, memes and uh, ahoy away. <laughs>